Women Podcast. We're here at Oldbees today for the next series of the Power of Women podcast. Uh, my name is Ruby Rare. I am an author and sex educator and podcaster and very enthusiastic Margate resident. And this series is called Leading Ladies. I'm going to be chatting to some brilliant women doing fantastic things all across Thanet. So I am joined by Natalie and Naomi from Everyday Racism, and I'm very, very happy to be sat down and chatting with you. How are you both doing today? Yeah, we're good. Thank you. We're yeah, excited. good. Thank you, Ruby. Looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. It's lovely to... This has been like such a nice little project because I'm sat down with people who I really like like online and out in the world and also as friends. It's like, oh, yeah. what a joy. We yeah. can just have a chat together. <laughs> <laughs> this will be great. Um, and I think we'll be able to find out a bit more about you both, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. So obviously, Everyday Racism is an incredible platform and we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on. But to start with, I wanted to ask a bit about your childhoods. So growing up in Thanet, you were like, OG Thanet girls yeah. and yeah. what that was like and what both of you were like as kids and maybe it might be nice for you to like say what the other one was like as kids. Oh, that's <laughs> oh we've never been asked that before. <laughs> yeah, so lots of people around Margate where we live ask when we moved here um, and we, you know, often have to say, oh, actually we were born here, born in Margate Hospital. Yeah. And we get that look of shock. Like, oh my goodness it's almost like the opposite of where are you really from it's yeah. Like, oh yeah you're really from here yeah, yeah. That's from true. here oh you are from here <laughs> yeah so we um we were both born born here grew up here went to local schools we both ended up moving away for different reasons um I went left to go to university and then ended up in London um to finish off my teacher training and then got my first teaching job there. So stayed there for a few years. And Natalie went to Brighton, where she worked as an events manager yeah. and lived there for a few years. Yeah. And then I came back here uh, about 12 years ago now and settled back here in my hometown and met my, my husband and had a couple of children and yeah, feel very settled here now. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. And I came back, I think, like four years ago now. Um, and yeah, it was interesting because like living, we, we kind of had that mentality growing up of, you know, I think some people, most people have this when they, they grow up in their hometown, but that whole thing of, um, you know, I guess, oh, we need to leave. Like, we've just got to get out of here. This is terrible. And if you get out, you've, you've sort of made it. So I think I kind of left in my 20s. But then every time I came back, I just noticed, like, new things, you know, like the Turner, Tracy Emin doing her thing, and then realising, oh, OK, it's it's different. It's, you know, it's um it's more up and coming. Maybe I could, I could come back here. But I think growing up was an experience for us for sure that's um, a very polite word to use I think it is polite I try and be polite as, as much as possible I think part of it is also not really realizing 
your hometown could be a really nice place and obviously like the beach is beautiful living by the sea yeah you know. I feel like we didn't appreciate we didn't that. appreciate any of that and you know we had like mum had a beach hut growing up and I was like oh, I want to go to the beach I'm bored you know <laughs> and now I think flipping heck if we had a beach hut now yeah why didn't she keep that beach yeah, hut yeah <laughs> how great would that be yeah so I think there's elements of that but also there were really not great elements you know um and we still have this to today but Margate is and was and is very deprived um and it was a lot more back then I think as well we experienced a lot of kind of prejudice mainly racism because we were the only two um black mixed race girls kind of in our area well there were others there were others in our social circle in our people that we knew yeah and it uh, I think yeah, I think if you saw another kind of black person or another mixed race person, you'd be like, oh, wow, hi, you know. Yeah, it was unusual. It was very unusual. unusual. When it's something that's like that blatantly noticeable, I think that that is a quite fairly extreme environment and like really yeah. takes its toll. Exactly, exactly. So I think we, we had to deal with quite a lot of kind of ignorant comments, racism in schools and um, and yeah, just kind of navigating this kind of what space of whiteness because you know our, our mum's white our dad's black Jamaican but our friends our family our teachers our place of worship our postman you know every everyone was white and I think that was quite an interesting like experience for us yeah um to try and navigate that and really work out those spaces and dealing with um, covert and overt racism, microaggressions, you know, all of that, which is stuff that we are definitely processing now and, and mm-hmm. learning more about now. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting place, but I'll, yeah. I wouldn't change it. Um, yeah. Mm. I think it's always really fascinating looking back and almost like looking at experiences that we had when we were younger with the, the lens that we have now. Because mm. I've had over the years I've had lots of really interesting chats with my mum and my sister um I'm in a dual heritage family as well my mum's Sri Lankan and we just weren't talking about race when we were growing up no and nowadays we all look at each other and we're like what the hell are we doing like my my mum and I don't say this with like blame my mum ticked just white British for both me and my sister throughout our whole childhoods Mm. and it was only really in the last 10 years that we've all turned around and gone oh my gosh that's really strange like for my Mm. mum to not even think about that but just erase like her her culture her heritage from our yeah. existence and and that was growing up in Lewisham where there like it was a really multicultural space and like I had a really my friendship group was like re- glorious and really varied in so many different ways but even then there were just no conversations about this so, I feel like that's how a lot of people operated though I mean we would talk to our mum and dad about it and they were open but we certainly didn't talk about it with anybody else Mm, and there wasn't that openness to have the discussions or if you did it was very awkward and uncomfortable so I think partly that was also a bit of a coping mechanism for a lot of people um because actually when you did have those conversations they weren't about you and they weren't about how you were feeling it was often about how other people were feeling or how Mm. you made them feel so I think a lot of people just shut down yeah yeah um and you know thinking about like growing up and 
you know, there just wasn't the books, there wasn't that representation, there just wasn't those things that we, you know, I think it's only been recently, like even in the last couple of years, that really the books have gone into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was nothing about where our mum could buy us a book about our hair and about being in a multiracial family and those, they it just didn't exist. Yeah, it wasn't there. I remember, like, the main person in my childhood was seeing Connie off Blue Peter and being like, yeah. you look yeah. like my mum and you look a bit like, oh, yeah. okay, cool, that's really nice. There was, really like, nice. one person yeah. two people. And you're lucky if you got those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so what were you both like as kids? Like, how do you, how do you remember each other <laughs> as children? <laughs> I'm so okay. glad I'm asking this. This, this is so Yeah, good. this is good. We're really different. Yeah, we are. A lot of people say, you know, like, oh, you sound the same or you look really similar, but our personalities are very different. And that was quite apparent mm. growing up, I think. Um, you were an emo yeah. for quite a while. Like Respect. Yeah. Prior to that, I was... What was I? You liked your gold jewellery. Yeah, yeah. And your tracksuits. Yeah. And your trainers. <laughs> um, whereas I was kind of more, like, quite focused on school, fairly academic want it kind of yeah we're just yeah. into different things yeah um and yeah approach things I think in different ways yeah you're a bit more of a rebel I was I was a rebel I was naughty I hated school and um, was always in it's terrible what we used to call it it was where you used to go when you were naughty I'm not going to say what we used to call it but <laughs> it was terrible I always had to go there you used um, to get sent out. I used to get sent lessons. out a lot. I would have been mortified. Yeah. Like if if I had a a, a phone call and, I, you know, they said to mum, she's been sent out or she's got a detention, I would have been absolutely devastated. Yeah. You didn't care. No. I think there's an elder sibling thing about that as well, though. Because <laughs> I can be, I was fairly rebellious as a teenager, but I was the eldest and there's a bit of that, like, got to keep it together, got to do the stuff, got to be, like, yeah. and almost you in you being able to be kind of so like acceptable in some way to your parents then it permits your younger siblings to like be a bit more mm. like I don't know be a bit more challenging but yeah, yeah I definitely I think there's some elder sister stuff going on there yeah and I also I was always very conscious about what people thought of me yeah. very super mm-hmm. um aware and vigilant about how I presented Whereas Natalie was very much like, and I think this was great. She was like, "I'm, I'm not bothered." No, like, I quite liked people knowing. I was like, "I'd be like, guess what happened in our family like yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> guess what? Guess what I've just found out." <laughs> you know, you were like, Shh, like "Don't it. tell it's anyone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, some of that is just personality, um, but I think some of that also was was formed from um, feelings of when you're like in the minority I definitely I write about this in the book that Mm. I definitely kind of felt a pressure to be a certain way and to kind of represent my racial identity (laughs) it sounds absolutely ridiculous and even as I wrote it I thought this is wild but actually when I was writing it I was also processing it and I turned around to Natalie and I was like oh my goodness, I've just discovered something about myself that I didn't realise. And that was that I had this pressure. And I remember from a young age that if I was good 
and likable um, and like a good example, then people might not be racist anymore. Mm. Which is a mad thing for like a young child to kind of carry around with them. There's so much pressure in that, but also there's an awful lot of hope on your part of that, of like, you mm. know, that like, oh, okay, well, I c- maybe I can change this environment that I'm in, which is kind of heartbreaking because you'd almost want, like, obviously you don't need to be anything other than who you are in order to be like loved and accepted, but that is not the case a lot of the time. No, exactly. And to, to feel that pressure of like, well, if I was the best version of myself, then they'd be less racist to yes. me. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, that's a big realisation to have partway through reading and writing a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a little break. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold up, I, I need a minute. Okay. <laughs> so this was obviously a, a like formative part of your upbringings and your childhoods and like separately and together. But I'm kind of curious about when you started to have these conversations together in a bit more of a, a critical way or maybe a bit mm. more of a public way in terms of friends. And this might be linked to everyday racism coming about, but mm. also it might have been like before before that platform platform existed. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think we spoke loads about it together growing up. I think I spoke to mum more about it. Um, but I think it was when... It was only a few years ago, so I think it was probably about five or six years ago, um, maybe even before that, um, after that. But I think I started to really realise this whole thing of, like, I really need to talk about this part of my identity and being mixed race and growing up in a white majority area and sort of realising how important that was but also that I need to kind of like um I guess digest that a little bit and then I so I started reading a lot and listening to stuff there wasn't there wasn't a lot out there but as much as I could really and then I think the book that massively changed things for me was the why I no longer talk to white people about race um and I read that and I remember saying to Nay oh my goodness, you need to read this, like, now. And I think at first you were like, no, I don't think I can. Like, I think it's too much. And I was like... <laughs> it's going to open it's, up. It's like trauma. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's in that book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I was like, please, Nate. Like, it will, but I think this is really important. And then you read it, and then that's when we started having the conversations. And then that's when we kind of, like, did this thing of, like, swapping notes of, <laughs> did you did you ever get this? Did, you, did anyone ever tell you this? Did you? And I was like, yeah. Um, and I think that's when we realised that our story is similar but very different as well. And then that's when we started having the idea of, actually, there's no space or safe space to have these conversations um and actually what you know what could that look like because actually because I think at the time I, I I could see these conversations around kind of the sort of everyday sexism stuff and you know the platforms but what what does it mean for everyday racism and so we sort of had this conversation we're like maybe we should start something um you know where kind of black and brown people specifically in the UK can actually like come together and 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 talk about yeah share stories um 
And because I think there is there's something so powerful in stories and and telling your truth and not being able to have the space to do that is really gutting, you know. So we started having that conversation, but we had no idea what that would look like. Like no idea at all. We sort of thought maybe it could be a website, maybe it'd be a WhatsApp group, I don't know. And then I think a couple of years after that, that's when the whole kind of everyday racism platform unfolded and that's when we start we set it up and then obviously it is what it is today so yeah and I think it's so lovely to have the space but like that also what this massive huge community that you've created like has become yeah throughout all of that from the very beginning the fact that the two of you were like sharing your own stories and and kind of validating each other's experiences by bouncing them back and forth Mm. I think that really speaks to what it feels like now the fact that it's coming from like two different people with similar but different experiences it's yeah it really lends itself to to be a very welcoming and like inquisitive Mm. community that you're leading so how would you describe the platform everyday racism kind of what the last couple of years what what would it look like if someone like opened up on their phone now and what's your intention behind it yeah so it has it has developed and changed so initially started simply as an Instagram account where we invited black and brown people and people of colour to send in their stories of things that they had experienced, specifically in the UK to Mm. begin with, because we felt that there was a narrative that the UK didn't really have a problem with racism. And we're a very multicultural society. We're very accepting, tolerant. I find that word wild yeah it's, like, a, it's an ick we, word and I don't really know pride, why <laughs> like Britain for so long prided itself on its tolerance <laughs> and I'm like do people know what tolerant means yeah that's, a, that's like, a neutral to negative term yeah it's like we put up with you you know so I'm not sure that's the word we were yeah. going for so yeah so um people could sort of use that as a real positive and we were like well that is not the day-to-day experience like that is not how most people can't talk for everyone of course but most people that we meet that is not how they feel they experience this this and this but again it's that thing of like I just get my head down and I mm. just get on with it um so that's how it started and we obviously got a lot of stories so people would email us or um dm us um and we just started sharing yeah. if they were happy to a picture of them and then an outline of of what they wanted to say basically mm-hmm. we were led by them so and then we would share um simple explanations of terminology to do with um racism um so things like you know what is white privilege and what is gaslighting and things like that so it started off and it and it you know it kind of built and people were sharing things and people were encouraging us saying oh it's really you know although it's not nice to read I'm really glad that you're sharing what people go through and then um obviously the murder of George Floyd happened and things as you know things blew up on social media Um, in terms of sharing um, kind of content and and people doing a lot of kind of performative stuff as well, like black squares and things. And where we had made some infographics, they started to go viral and the page just 
yeah really kind of picked up quite quickly it was a really fast it really like it was, was it was like that bit you know when you're going on a roller coaster and you're going like yeah up yeah it was like straight like yeah it was yeah it was a strange time it was and um we you know but people were saying like oh i i didn't understand that before i didn't really know what that meant thanks for explaining it we were like i think this is quite helpful for people so we continued to make infographics and also other things so yeah other things as well like we would share artwork um by black and brown people and people of colour and we um, would, you know, share people's events and just, you know, a real range of things where we were like, well, actually, this platform is is run by us. You know, we, we get to decide what goes forward on this. And so, actually, if somebody wants us to share something, then we're just, we're going to share it because, like, we're not we're not confined by anything um so that was that's been really powerful actually that we yeah. haven't got anybody else telling us what we need it's to yours, yeah. do um and yeah and it's just grown and so now we have 193,000 followers um but also we've um branched out from that so we do anti-racism training for companies and organizations we have a book club um and the new um, year of the book club launches next week. We've got a Patreon, which is a learning. We're part of um, a platform where you can subscribe to learning. And we have people that um, pay a monthly subscription to come onto our learning series. So it really has mm. um, developed. And then we've written a book. Mm. Let's, so. let's talk about this bloody book because I am so before we start recording I was saying how excited I am and particularly my mum is to read this book I because it feels the first time that I met both of you it mm. just it was you were right in the middle of like right intense yeah. writing mode but it's it just feels like such an important topic and I'm so excited about it I feel like I could just waffle about it for ages so let's what, what's this book about? <laughs> I am so excited. <laughs> Tell us about the book. Where, what's Yeah. What's okay. It? So it's called The Mixed Race Experience. Um, so it's quite self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's basically about growing up mixed race. And just also to make it really clear, like, because um, I think sometimes with the title, what we're not saying is like, this is the experience and that's it. It's actually... Um, a combination of kind of our life and our stories. Um, and then we've interviewed um, 30 other people who either identify as being mixed race or are in interracial relationships or raising mixed race children. Because, you know, I think there's, again, this narrative that when you're mixed race, you're white and you're black. And it's, um, you know, uh, two and only two sides and actually, it's not that. It's, you know, it's multiple. Um, and I think as well with the title, um, the mixed race experience and actually calling it mixed race. I know a lot of people don't like that terminology as well. And that's we completely understand that. Um, but also the other terms, again, are very limiting to kind of biracial. So, again, you're looking at like two or mm-hmm. dual heritage, you're looking at two. So that we felt that mixed race was the the one that could kind of encompass everything. 
Um, and yeah, we decided to write it um, last year. We um, we got approached to write a book and at first we thought it would be kind of the everyday racism story. And then we kind of realised actually that wasn't the right avenue to go down. We sort of, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about the kind of allyship side of things. And we were like, actually, do we really need to take up room like in this space? I think there's a lot of amazing people out there writing that. And I don't think that's really for us. So we um, we chatted to our friend and and he he's a black guy who's raising mixed race children. He said to us, like, guys, the book that I need is the mixed race experience. I need to know how to raise my children. There's no books out there that actually explores that. And we were like, oh, yeah, actually, that's so true. Well, actually, I well, was like... <laughs> nay, nay, the whole... <laughs> so funny. This so, is where we're different. This is where we're very different. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, yes, this is it. This is the book. So I remember us driving home from London and we got home and I was like, nay, like, let's do it. This is the book, The Mixed Experience. And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, why? 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 And you were like, I just don't think we're the right people to write the book. <laughs> and I was like, nay, this is our lived experience. <laughs> this is like, massive syndrome. <laughs> like, why would we not be the people to write this book? Like, that's ridiculous. And you're like, no, I just think there's other people that could do it. And I was like, <laughs> like of course there are other people that can yeah. write it but I'm like we have the opportunity to do it so let's just do it and you were like no and I said listen I'm gonna write the email to the agent and I'm just gonna say I've got this idea like what do you think and they emailed back within five minutes and was like yeah that's the book and I said no we've got to do it We've got to do it now. How do you feel about it now, no? Yeah. <laughs> Come around. Come around. Yeah, I think um, I was a bit anxious, really, about, because it is very personal. And so I felt there would be a level of vulnerability yeah. about writing the book that I didn't know if I was prepared for that. Um, but, yeah, I'm really glad now. And there was you know like I said there's stuff that I found out about myself along the way yeah. um parts were really painful some parts were really liberating yeah it was so great to speak to all the different people yeah. because it really felt like it validated so many of the things that we had felt mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah I'm really excited for it to to come out mm. into the world and I think we've all always said like this is the book that we wish we had when we were younger we, there wasn't anything like that when we, you know, when we were young. So I always kind of think about younger me and seeing that on the shelf and being like, oh, my goodness, you know, That's and reading about, yeah, mm. reading about your experience or just relating to something when you think that no one else gets it, yeah. I think is so powerful. So it's just really exciting yeah. that we can write something like yeah. that. Uh, that feels very humbling, actually. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think to have... A collect like it's it's both of you and it's storytelling but it's also branching out to other perspectives of this these experiences yeah. is going to touch people and inform people in so many ways mm. i'm really i'm very excited for both of you thank you roll on april it's gonna yeah. be big it's Aww. really exciting it's and just really yeah and also to be able it's it takes a lot of bravery to do something which is very emotive mm. and where you're not just in educator mode even though you're both brilliant at that actually going another level and speaking from your own experiences like that's that's hard that's big stuff mm. and 
I feel very proud of both of you. Very Aww, excited. Thank and you. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really big stuff. <laughs> um, so within the near future, we've got the mixed yeah. race experience coming out. Mm. What I want to kind of end this conversation looking yeah. to the future a little bit. Yeah. So what are your what are your hopes and dreams for everyday racism and this like space that you are creating and for yourselves like mm. within that and beyond it? Yeah, such a good question. I think for me, like everyday racism now is it's quite it's huge, it's it's massive and all the streams that we're doing and, you know, book clubs and Patreon and training and just the Instagram page itself, it's quite um, mammoth and it can become quite sort of like, I don't, I will never want it to go kind of this, the corporate route, but I think, you know, it's it's a big organisation. Um, but I think for me, I really want to just remember why we are doing what we're doing. And actually when it comes down to it, it comes down to the individual stories and the individual people that are affected by racism, systemic racism, white supremacy every single day. And we hold a lot of privilege because we are light-skinned black women. And I think I really want to make sure that I can use that privilege for like real change. And for me, that looks like you know, educating people, motivating people, like helping people to understand that this is everybody's issue and it is not going to change unless we are together on it. Um, mm. And also, I think for me, I'm really passionate about young people. Like I have worked with young people for a lot, a, a long time and I'd love to be able to you know, go back into that and start working with young people around this and having these conversations at, in earlier stages of life. So it's not later on because the younger generation are the next generation, you know, and they are able to, like, we can do this work and we can change it where we are now, but the younger people are the ones that are going to take this on. And they're doing incredible stuff. Like, it is amazing what I see out there and watch thing I love TikTok I'm obsessed with TikTok and I just think like the young people in there it just blows my mind like the conversations that they're having so for me I would love to take everyday racism into schools I'd love to take it into youth groups I'd love to do something around that what that looks like I'm not 100% sure but yeah I think there's so much more we can do but I just want to remember like the individual people mm -hmm. because I think you can get really caught up in yeah. numbers and yeah oh we could do yeah. this stream and we can do that but actually it comes down what to what are you doing you it know. for yeah and I, like basically that's like community yeah and change but 100%. it's not it's so easy to get caught up in valuing success compared yeah. to other people 100%. and instead like you have there is this core passion for both of you yeah. with what you're doing here and it's about the community yeah and that's, that's very sweet. special and very important to remember yeah, yeah. what about you Nay? yeah the similar to the things that natalie has said really um i have been a teacher for 18 years um a secondary school teacher and um i'm still doing that now um because I, I love it and I love working um, in the school I'm in and with the students that I'm I'm with. 
And so for me, a big part of this is um, the educational side, particularly um, with people that work with young people um, and also obviously working with the young people themselves. So we've got a couple of ideas about how we want to kind of impact um, the education system where we can see there are gaps um, and some issues so yeah we've got some plans um, over the next year to work on a project really to do with that um, and then possibly another book yeah very exciting so stuff. yes a lot the fact yeah. that you are thinking about another book having just written one and with that one not even coming out I I am like really admire you because a book takes it out of you a yeah. huge amount so the yeah. fact that you're like let's do another one come on bring it on <laughs> <laughs> you two are incredible <laughs> and looking even further into the future I guess mm. I, I wanted to end the, all of these conversations thinking about how you would like to, what you would like to be remembered for like, how would you like to be remembered in terms mm. of the ways that you made a difference? And that can be big things, like the massive stuff that you were talking about and planning out and also really small moments. Oh, so good. Yeah, <laughs> I think I want to be remembered for somebody that took action rather than just... That words are obviously very important. And, you know, we, we need language and we need academia and we need all of those things. But also somebody that did practical things alongside mm. that, I think is really important because I've met a lot of people that talk about things, but they're not putting anything actually into action. And for me, I think you kind of, the measure of a person is by the things that they do over what they say I mean obviously both are important but actually I'm more interested in do your actions um align with what you're saying so I I hope that that's what I'll be remembered for and also someone that had fun mm. <laughs> that's and so important like laughed and yeah and was fun because I mean I I love to laugh and I love to dance and I love, you know, and all of these things. And I love clothes and dressing up. And and I think sometimes when, you know, you do um, like work to, you know, that's to do with, you know, social injustice and, and these things are so important, but it's almost like you have to negate those parts of yourself. You're only to allowed be, to be like a serious but, yeah, version. Yeah, like we only want to see one side of somebody mm. and so something I try and lean into is actually I am allowed to be all of those things um all parts of my identity are valid and so yeah there's yeah. that as well and it's so nice to see all of them alongside each other and like all mixed <laughs> together that's mm. a joy because you are not just one thing no, no none of us none are none of us are yeah I think you're definitely going to be remembered for all of that and <laughs> <laughs> It's about you, Natalie. Um, it's funny. I always think so. I've I've already planned my uh, song for my funeral. Oh, and nice. no, it's nice. It's going to be okay. um, Beyonce. I was here. Oh my god! And I just oh. I love that song because it's all about kind of like leaving your mark, leaving your footprints. You know that life was more than you ever thought it was going to be. 
And I think now, like, I can, I do honestly think that, like, I think there was a time in my life where I, I really was like, I don't know who I am. I'm so, inha- like, inadequate. Like, I'm, I'm just not, uh, like, what am I doing in this life? Um, and I think now I've really found my voice through the work that we do. Um, and it's really hard. Like, it's, it's really hard and difficult. Um, and it's a really like difficult topic, obviously, but it's something that I really want to like help people with. Um, and so I guess for me, like it's I also just want to be able to be remembered for someone that just did things without kind of even though inside I'm, you know, wrestling with myself of like I'm not capable of doing this. You're, you know, you're not qualified. Like I just want to be able to. Um, leave my mark knowing that I am qualified like I don't have to be a certain person to do what I'm doing like anyone can do it you know I wasn't academic I wasn't you know I didn't love school I didn't get all my grades but actually that's not important now and so I'm just yeah I'm just really love what I'm doing now because I really do feel like it is making a difference whether it's just a little drop in the ocean it doesn't matter um so yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't really know if any of that makes sense. But. It, all, it all made sense, and what you're both doing collectively and separately is much more than a drop in the ocean. Because it's not only you're having these, you're kind of starting and holding these like big, complicated conversations, but you mm. are doing them with like such care and like passion and joy when when there can yeah. be, and that's really important because. We are like we are all here. We all need yeah. to do things that feel that feel <laughs> yeah. really important and feel yeah. like we can like hold each other up. Yeah, it's such nice. It's this is the weirdest thing because you said that and I was like, I can imagine your funeral. It'll be beautiful. Oh, yeah, I, was I, like, I, I don't want to be because then you won't be here anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make it about my funeral. No. <laughs> but that's important. We were talking in the break. Like it's you know it's so important to say these things and think about these things outside of like weddings and funerals we've got to mm. like and say them about ourselves as well yeah, staff was true. saying that so yeah mm. thank you both so much for oh, sharing all of this you're both incredible and what you do in Thanet and beyond is extraordinary and I'm so excited to see all the things that you do next thank you thank you thanks, thanks for, for having us. us thanks for being here Thanks to Olvies for having us and to Arts Council Cultural Recovery Fund for making this possible. Thank you to Darren on tech and Lisa, who's doing the BSL interpretation for this. We look forward to seeing leading ladies grow each year as a platform for us to celebrate the incredible women of Thanet. For more information on POW, the festival and the charity, check out powthanet.com and powthanet on socials. Thank you.